<laughs> Good morning. Blessed be the name of the Lord. This is the day the Lord has made. We should rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. It is very good to see each and every one of you this morning. If you're joining us online, we want to welcome you as well. We invite you to come and be right here in the sanctuary with us, worshiping God, experiencing God, finding out what God has for you in your life, and being a part of what God is doing at Wallace Nazareth Baptist Church. Well, my goodness, we're visiting with us this morning. We're going to ask you to take the time to fill out the visitor card. You'll find it in front of you. Place an offering plate that comes around. So we can have a record of your visit. We'd greatly appreciate that. Also, if you're online visiting with us, give us a call. Send us an email, contact us, and let us know you've been watching, and we would love to get to know you. All right, with that being said, I have several announcements I want to share with you this morning. Uh, first thing coming up is our National Night Out. It's going to be October 4th. Uh, that's going to be at 6 p.m. It's going to start there. We're going to need some help setting up, some help cooking, some help with size. So if you're interested in that, uh, that is a great outreach for our community. Please prayerfully consider being a part of it. And pray about what God would have you do in that. What we'll do is we'll invite the police, we'll invite the fire department, and we'll invite the corporate local community to come and celebrate our first responders. So that's National Night Out, October 4th. Uh, yesterday, Operation Sister Scout had a crafting day. And for the pictures I got to see, it looked like it was a wonderful, wonderful time. So praise God for that. We do have some things coming up for our youth department. And I'm going to ask Brandon to come on up and share that with us. Wonderful opportunity to pray for our nation, our schools, for our teachers, for our children. You might say, Pastor, where do we meet at? That's the flag right here. That's where we're going to be at. It's a wonderful time of prayer, of praise, and you are invited. So come and be a 
Okay, let's come up here to the 28th at 10 a.m. I hope to see you there for We've done it. This is our second year in a row to do it here in Austin Avenue. It's been a lot of fun. So please carefully consider being a part of that as well. All right. Uh, so you heard Brandon talk about the upcoming camp that we have. So uh, if you're interested in that, you've heard what you need to do. Sign up for that and uh, begin working toward those goals that we have. All right. With that being said, we have an Operation Christmas Child Santa Meal fundraiser coming up. It's going to be October 14th to Friday, October 14th from 5 to 7. If you look in your bulletin, you'll find out what they are serving. So, uh, and the prices will go with that. And that's the fourth Operation Christmas Child. It goes through shipping, I believe. Is that right? That's it. So, go for shipping. And so, we need some help in getting those boxes mailed out. So, uh, prayerfully consider being a part of that as well. All right. I think that's about it for our upcoming announcements other than our normal services. Uh, today, for service, for our practice, I've been asked to remind you this. Uh, we'll begin looking at our Christmas Cantata today. So if you're interested in singing in the Christmas Cantata, we need to be a practice today for service. It's going to be over in the choir room, so the office building in the choir room for service today. Uh, then we'll have evening service at 6 p.m., followed by our ladies' Bible study on Tuesday at 9.30 and at 6.30, and then a regular Bible study and service Wednesday at 6.30, followed by men's Bible study Thursday at 6.30. So, I think that's it for our announcements for upcoming events. Uh, but with that being said, let's go to the Lord's Prayer. And as we pray, I have a short opening video I'd like you to see. Let's pray together. Father, touch me in Jesus' name. I want to thank you for the opportunity to be in your house this morning. If you reach out to touch him, if you take pause right now, if there's anyone who needs to come and lay your trust in the Lord's Savior, you need to come out right with you, and let today be that day. Also pray, Lord, that you let us work Fall down like rain, and our hearts open to you, and our minds open to you, and our ears open to hear you, Lord God, and may we worship you. And may your name be glorified and magnified. Please be the virgin of that tablet, and those that I sit, let them know the love that they prayed for, and please bring us safe back to Amen. All right, we'll please rise and welcome one another. We'll watch this video.
Avenue is uh, working toward uh, our buildings and grounds. We've had some, some work in there, but before uh, we had our, our new person, Matt, uh, we had a long-term guy in there. His name was Brother Woody. And so Woody did an excellent job, and he uh, gave his heart and soul into it. There was lots of blood, sweat, and tears at Robert Stanley Baptist Church. And on behalf of the body of Robert Stanley Baptist Church, uh, we'd like to present you something, Brother Woody. So I'm going to come to you, which is rare. <laughs> Amen. God bless you, my friend. You are welcome. Thank you for everything you've done. Amen. Thank you, Brother Woody. All right, we do have a short video I'd like for you to see, Brother Tad. You packed your Operation Christmas Child shoebox full of love and prayer. Now, how to get it to the other side of the world where it can bless a child and become a life-changing gospel opportunity? That starts when you send a $10 suggested donation through our website or through the mail. This ensures the greatest possible impact in the life of a child with a clear presentation of the good news of Jesus Christ. Your donation helps to cover shoebox collection, processing, and shipping. And it also provides each child with the greatest gift gospel booklet, printed in their own language. This booklet encourages children and their families to receive God's greatest gift, His Son, Jesus Christ. Your $10 suggested donation also helps train and equip local churches on how to lead an outreach event, share the gospel, and invite boys and girls to participate in follow-up discipleship. Plus, when you give online, using your Follow Your Box label, you can discover the destination of your shoebox gift. And last, but certainly not least, if you have packed all of your boxes using our NISI Build a Shoebox Online website, then your donation is included. The greatest impact, all for $10. To learn more, visit SamaritansPurse.org slash OCC. Thank you. 
Woo, good morning. <laughs> nice to meet you. <laughs> Let my Jesus change your life. Let me tell you, that is what every sermon needs to have. Let my Jesus change your life. There ain't a sinner he can't save. He rises up from an empty grave. Somebody say amen up in there. I'm preaching myself happy this morning. Our God is good. There's nothing He can't do. This world has caught Him by surprise. And even though it feels like or seems like it's falling apart, our God is still in control. Amen? Hallelujah! But you know what? Over the last couple of weeks, church, I've been praying for each and every one of you. My name, I pray for you. I pray for this church. And I feel, I feel in my heart of hearts amongst each other. And I feel like the devil just put his hands on us. You know what? When the devil starts attacking, you better get ready because something good is about to happen. Amen. And I think about the things we got planned on the calendar, and I think about what would happen if we reached this community for Jesus. No wonder the devil is trying to stop us. And some of you have come and shared with me through the past couple of weeks what pain you've had and what attacks have been on your life. And you know, Spent that time praying for you. This sermon developed, and I hope you can put it to work in your life. It's my prayer to speak to you, edify you. It's my prayer that if you don't know Jesus, you would come to know Him this morning. Because there ain't no sinner He can't save. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you now in Jesus' name. Thank you for the opportunity to be in your house. Bless us and touch us with your Holy Spirit. And Lord God, I'm asking you in Jesus' holy and righteous name. And if there be any that needs to come to know your personal Lord and Savior, any that the heart right with you, we need to follow through in obedience on anything you've called them to do. Would you let today be that day to Open your word to us. Open our hearts, Lord, to you. And may your name be glorified. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, I want you to begin sharing a little bit about my family. You know, my family, we're in a hard time. Emotionally, hard time physically for us. We're watching a loved one uh, get sicker and sicker, and you know it's just not easy. Never has been, never will be. It's not easy on anybody. Uh, so my second son was able to come home, Jordan. Some of you got to see him Wednesday evening. He came home Wednesday and was gone Saturday. Whirlwind came in and gone. And I took him to the airport. My family took him to the airport. And I remember when I was young how exciting airports were. Let me be honest with you, airports are not exciting anymore. You know what I really don't like about them is paying the parking fare. <laughs> Those guys are bloodsuckers. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but anyway, the airports don't have that same excitement for me anymore because airports used to be like a gateway to someplace exciting or someplace new or some adventurous place we were headed to as a family, but airports now have a different meaning for me. Have a different meaning for my family. That means that Betsy and I are going to say goodbye to one of our children. Pardon me. Thank you, Lord. Oh, and as we put that precious boy back on the airplane. Uh, he touched me. He always does. I got thinking about the early Christmas lessons. 
goodbye was powerful to them, too. Very, very powerful. Very powerful to them because they lived in a time frame where it wasn't guaranteed you'd see them again. You know, nowadays, it's almost a, a given. I say goodbye, I'll see you again. If I don't see you now, I'll see you next week or again. You know, we just don't get to uh, Nowadays, when you say goodbye to someone, you're going to see them at least on social media, right? You'll see them on Facebook or Twitter or TikTok or whatever is out there nowadays. I don't know what's all out there. Um, but you'll see them. You'll call them. You'll video chat with them. When the early church started and they said goodbye, they uh, they didn't know they were going to see each other again. In fact, they came up with a very special way to say goodbye. And it meant, I love you, and I put you in God's hand, and if I don't see you again because this world is, is killing advantage of Christians everywhere it can, that I know I'll see you when Jesus turns. And that word that they said goodbye with was Maranatha. Maranatha. And it means literally, our Lord has come or until the Lord has come. Something of that nature. In that context, it means goodbye for now, and if I don't see you, I'll see you when he comes back. It's a beautiful way to say goodbye. It's a beautiful way for Christians who love each other church members who love each other to say goodbye. And I was moved by that. Touched by that. And I wanted to share that with you. And I want to ask you a question. When's the last time you said Maranatha? Now, Maranatha is not Marinara sauce. Don't get it confused. I know it's a Baptist church and we talk about food all the time. Today's message out of the stronghold. everybody's life. They're in churches too. They're built on tradition. They're built on family. They're built on influence. So I want to share with you a personal stronghold. Somebody once told me, Pastor, you don't share a lot of personal things. I was like, boy, you're not listening. So what I'm saying. I share a lot of personal things. I want to share with you a personal stronghold in my life. You may know something that normal people do. And uh, I remember my eldest son, Joshua, when he came home from school one day and he said, Dad, I want what the other kids have. And I was like, what do they have? I don't know what they have. He said, Dad, they have a PlayStation. And so I knew what a PlayStation was. I just didn't think he really wanted one. He wanted one. So Becky and I talked about it. And he looked at what he had. And he was like, you can get that kid PlayStation. He did. We drove up to Walmart and we got them little PlayStation portions. His little brother was alive at the time, but he wasn't quite old enough to take the channels away from Joshua for Joshua to have to do it. Um, but we brought that PlayStation home to him and we got some of the games that he wanted. He was happy he could do it. He just fell on me and hugged my neck and kissed my face and said, Daddy, I love you. There is no more moving sound than when your son says, Daddy, not a one. And I remember the first time I came home from 
worked in the prison. Maybe you see Daddy working in the church. And I would come home or pick, I was the one to pick him up at school because Daddy worked in the church. So Daddy was in school but worked in the church and then was able to pick him up at school or something like that. This time I worked a very long shift in a very dangerous environment. And I remember I would come home and those boys, both of them would meet me at the door. They would run to me and they would, I was the highlight of their day. Dad is home and life continued. It just was no longer on hold. The fun picked back up. And the laughing and the games and the wrestling started. And I still have that same relationship with all four of my boys. Jordan came home. The first thing he did was pick a wrestling match with me. Did he lose? No, he won. <laughs> I haven't won one in a while. Except for with Judy John. I still do too. Except for five, do or die. Rock, 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 right? Um, anyway, uh, with, with that being said, though, I remember bringing that PlayStation home. And as much as they loved me, as much as I loved giving it to them, first time I came home, I got to their door. The only one to get me at their door was my beautiful wife. Because the boys were not there. My heart sank. Where are those two bright rays of sunshine that I lived for? Those wonderful, toe-headed boys. With that beautiful, light blonde hair. And those beautiful eyes. And those beautiful smiles. And that mischievous little grin that Joshua brought his face. There. So I walked back to his room and there he was playing that picture. I said, Hey, son. He said, Oh, hey, Dad. He came up and he hugged me. I went right back to that game. I learned something. I created something. I created a strong point. You know, I can't take all the blame for it. It's all over our nation today. I created a stronghold in which people love the gift more than they do the giver. And I created that right then and there. If I could go back in time, my son would say, Dad, can I have a PlayStation? I said, yep, but you can only have it once a week or something like that. Nowadays, that PlayStation is still strong in my house. Even though it's not a PlayStation, I don't know what it is now, Xbox, I don't know. But it's still there. They love the giver less than they do the giver. But we... Again, looking in this morning's sermon, if you're online watching us, I want to ask you, do you have strongholds in your life, in your heart? What comes to mind when you hear the word stronghold? When I was young, I'd hear a stronghold or a seat or something like that would come to my mind as pastor. Of course, I grew up looking at medieval pastors in Europe. So castles would always come to mind. Later on, as I got older, and that you went to work at the bank, banks have a stronghold inside. They call it the vault. As I began putting my experiences together, I started thinking about storm shelters. They're strongholds as well. What about bomb shelters? How about something like this? That's a stronghold as well. In fact, some of you may know what that is. That is, or was, Fort McHenry. Some of you know the significance of Fort McHenry. It was the very fort that Francis Scott Key was watching from his cell in a British ship that was bombarding the fort when he 
How many of you know that Saul is Jonathan's father? And Saul ends up in a bitter hatred against David, yet Jonathan remains true to David's friendship. That's a beautiful thing, amen? Some of us need that in our lives. If you've got a stronghold, the first thing you need is a Jonathan. Now, Jonathan is a godsend. He's not a buddy you picked up on the street corner. He's a godsend. Jonathan was placed in David's life. And those two, if you'll read through the rest of the story, become covenant brothers. They become knit at the heart. And what that means is is they had one purpose, one plan, one priority, and they became one people. What does that mean for Christians today? When we become members of Robertson Avenue, when we become blood brothers, if you will, in Jesus Christ with each other, that means we need to become one people in God's house. Can I get an amen on that? That means we need to start being Jonathan, even though there are King Saul's out there to get us. Even though there's King Saul's who don't pay attention to what's going on in the land. Jonathan are what we're supposed to be. Some of us might be Saul's, and we have strongholds in our life, but we're praying for some Jonathan's. Jonathan's are those who bring victory in poverty. Now, get back on our history here. This stronghold the Philistines put in blocked any and all passing of people to the city. It was in a high point. If you're going to read inside your Bible, the Jonathan actually had to climb up to the Philistines. It's in the high point. So it's very strategic, meaning they can look down on the surrounding area and see who's approaching, see if an army is approaching, see if a caravan is approaching, or see if a supply chain is moving. And they can shoot arrows at a long distance from that elevated rate. And not just that, but those that were shooting arrows back had to really, really, really compensate to get an arrow up to them. So the chances of hitting them were very slim indeed. It gave them a very strategic military advantage. It's called the elevated high ground. And they were there on purpose. Jonathan is that person we're supposed to be praying for. That Jonathan is that friend, that counselor, that advisor that every Christian brother needs. That's that mentor that we all need. Everyone has to have one sooner or later in their life. That doesn't mean Jonathan stay around forever. That doesn't mean Jonathan's are your best buddies forever. Jonathan's come in our lives when we have strongholds that need to be removed. And let me just be honest with you. Jonathan ends up dying. You know the rest of the story of Jonathan. He ends up dying because he ends up following his father and dies in battle, fighting with his father to defend his kingdom. He ends up dying there, and David is brokenhearted. However, my point is this. When you have a Jonathan in your life, that Jonathan becomes loyal, he becomes steadfast, he becomes true, he becomes one people with you. And that one people has one priority and one plan. And let's get back into the church, into the brotherhood, into the family of God. We're supposed to be one people with one plan. And let me tell you right now what the plan is for God's people. Are you ready for this? Because it's going to come as a shock. The plan for God's people is that we start seeking and saving that which is lost. Amen? We've got lost people in Copper Coast that need the gospel. We've got people who've never heard Jesus Christ here in Copper Coast, Texas. In fact, I was told this morning, we'll drive just outside of Killeen. We have Islamic activity center. We have a, a Buddhist temple just down on 195. And let me tell you right now, I believe that if we don't start acting sooner or later, those are going to be strongholds 
in our communities as well. We need to start witnessing. How do you combat Islamic uh, theology? People ask me that all the time. You want to know how you beat Islamic theology? Become a witness. The Word of God will not come back void. If you will stay faithful, if you will stay true, if you'll be a Jonathan, then you're going to find out there's no stronghold that can stand up against you. What does the Bible say? The weapons of God are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. And that means even the Islamic temples can't stand. Hallelujah. we got to become one people with one plan. And the plan is to seek and save that which is lost. we got to become one people with one priority. What is the priority of the church? Well, number one, people say it's the worship God. And that's true. That is very true. We're supposed to be worshiping. But how many of you know this spiritual truth? If we are not obeying what He's told us to do, then our worship means very little. And be like offering up these flowers here on the altar, but not having any flowers in it, just an empty vase. When we worship without obedience, it's like putting an empty vase in front of God saying, Do you like it? Now, I've been married to Betsy for 25 years. And never once have I put an empty vase on the table and said, I want flowers shopping for you, but I decided I didn't want to buy them for you. I hope you like the empty vase. It probably wouldn't be received very well, would it? But when we treat God like that, God, I want to worship you, I want to give you all my heart, but I don't want to obey, it's like putting an empty flower vase on the altar. We've got to be that one people with one priority. And our priority is, of course, the praise and the worship. But our other priority is to get ourselves back into prayer. People of priority are people who pray. When's the last time you have prayed? Let me ask you another question. When's the last time you've given God your best? You were honest right now. When's the last time you've given Him 100% in your Sunday school class, in your witnessing, in your mothering or fathering? When's the last time you've given God 100%? You've been putting empty vases up or saying, Would you honor what I wanted to do? You ever been guilty of that? God forgive my sins. Jonathan gave 100% and signed up the hill to the Philistines. Jonathan, you got a stronghold like that in your life? You need to start acting like Jonathan. Well, what weapons did Jonathan use? Well, if you read through the scriptures there, you're going to find out that Jonathan used a sword. The Bible often equates swords to the Word of God. Amen? So I want you to start thinking about what Jonathan used. He had the sword, and he swung it, and he destroyed the enemy. And I want you to know, God has not left you unarmed. God has given you His Word. In fact, I dare say there isn't a home here in Robertson Avenue Baptist Church that doesn't have a Bible sitting on the coffee table or on the shelf somewhere. And if you don't have one there, let me know and we will give you one. But I also want to say this. If you don't have one, you can get them on your phone free. They're there. They're available. The problem is, is we are no longer using it because we think other weapons are more powerful than the Word of God. But there is nothing more powerful than the Word of God. In fact, the earth will fade away, the flowers and the grass will die and wither, but the Word of the Lord endures forever. you got strongholds like that in your life. you got to be a Jonathan. Jonathan went in there swinging the sword. we got to go in there swinging the Word of God. we got to do that nowadays in our lives. we got to do that nowadays in the year 2022. 
when we swing the Word of God, we put people straight. Amen? You want to know why? We have governments now that says uh, that boy could be a girl if she wants to be a girl, and that girl could be a boy if she wants to be a boy. In fact, don't say he or she, but say they or them nowadays. You know why we're there? Because we quit swinging the Word of God. Charles Spurgeon said it best. He had a devotion called Morning and Evening. And in his devotion, Ephesians chapter 6, he went over the armor of the Word of God. And he described in very elegant detail about what it means to be armored in God. And I know most people take a look at me and say, Pastor, are you wearing armor of God? I said, yes, I am. I said, when's the last time you stepped on the scale? And then I remind them, the armor of God is very heavy. Sin may be in, but fat is where it's at. Oh, goodness gracious. Gratefulness is a stronghold in my life. Here's my point. Here's my point. Like this, Charles Spurgeon said, and I quote, I'm going to try to uh, kind of paraphrase what he quoted, but what he said was, when you put that helmet on, it's going to change your way of thinking. When you put that breastplate on, your heart's going to become right with God. When you put that belt of truth on, you're going to find out it's truth that holds up everything. When you start walking on the boots of the promise, the boots of the Word of God, the boots of the truth of God, you're walking on His promise. You'll pick up the shield of faith, blocking those thoughts from the devil. I want you to think of John as a time of forgiveness. He had to see those thoughts bouncing off of that shield. Simon says, you'll pick up the Word of the Lord. Swing it with holy violence. You know, I remember the first time I ever read this. I put that down and I thought, are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? I have looked at the ministry of the saints before. And I've looked at what God did with that man called Charles Spurgeon. And I've looked at how he behaved and how he acted. And let me tell you something. I want to get to the point where I can swing the Word of God with holy violence. Not to be holier than thou art. Not to be self-righteous. But to know without a doubt, to know in every fiber of my being that the weapons of God are mighty for pulling down strongholds. Amen? That's what we need to do in our lives. We need Jonathan. And we need some of the weapons. Let's take a look at Stronghold number two. 2 Samuel 23. Turn with me there. 2 Samuel 23. Let's take a look at King David here. We have some guys that don't even have names. Verse 13. I hear some pages turning, so I'm going to wait for you here. I'm going to wait with you here. Three of the thirty chief men went down at harvest time and came to David at the cave of Adullam. And the troop of Philistines encamped in the valley of Rephaim. David was then in a stronghold, and the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. Can you imagine that? There's now a Philistine stronghold in Bethlehem. Verse 15, David said with longing, Oh, that someone would give me a drink of the water from the well of Bethlehem. And by the gate, remember David was born there. David grew up there. That was called, and is called, the city of David. They have the crown. The Messiah is born 
there. And out of the Philistines, Saul's home. Verse 16, so look at these guys. So the three mighty men went to the camp of We don't know who these people are. There's guesses and scholars who come up with things like that, but the Bible doesn't tell us here. Verse 16, so the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines, drew water from the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate, and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink it, but poured it out to the Lord. In verse 17, he said, Far be it from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is this not the blood of the men who went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore, he would not drink it. These things were done by the three mighty men. What happened here? Remember in our first picture of stronghold, we had the picture of a stronghold that was ignored. King Saul was hanging out underneath the pomegranate tree, saying, I don't really care if it's there or not. It's really not bothering me. Yet it was reaching out and hurting his country and hurting his people. Thank God for Jonathan. Thank God for the weapons that we have in God. They're mighty for pulling down strongholds. And here we have a picture of King David. And King David has somehow or another lost some control of Bethlehem, of his childhood home. And you might be right there right now. You've got this stronghold in your life where you're saying, there was a time I grew up in the church. There was a time I walked with God. Are you, are you with me right now? You might be walking with me in this message right now. You understand what I'm trying to say? You grew up knowing Him. You grew up knowing His Word. You grew up praising His holy and righteous name. You grew up knowing the people of God. You know when somebody's got the Spirit in them. You know when God is at work. You grew up all around God with God. In fact, you're like David. You grew up in Bethlehem. And you knew the Messiah was in your life and in your family and all around. Somebody say amen. drink that water of peace. When that water goes down, all the cares of this world disappear. How many of you know what the Bible says? The peace of God surpasses all understanding. Perhaps that's where you are this morning, and you're longing to get back to where you were as a child. In all my time of witnessing, it never ceases to amaze me when I get out and speak to people and say, man, I grew up in church. I was there every day. There wasn't a service. My mom and dad didn't drag me to. I was there. Vacation Bible school. I was there. For any little thing that happened, if the door was opening, we were there to catch it as it swung open and walked in. And I asked them, what happened? You know what they say? I don't know. Somewhere down the line, my Bethlehem began to be ruled by Philip. Began to be ruled by Philip. Is that where you are right now? In your city of David, your place where the Messiah was born, and you know you've got a relationship with God. But you know you've walked away from Him. I want to share with you something you need to hear right now. It doesn't matter how far you've walked away from God. It only takes one step to come back to Him. Amen? Just one to come right back. And David had one little teeny tiny prayer. Oh, I would love to have a drink 
anybody saying that right now. I need to drink that refreshing peace. I need to have that peace that surpasses all understanding. I need to know that whatever's going on in this world, my God is in control. And I'm in God's hands. And whatever comes my way, it doesn't matter. He's got me. And you know, David wants that peace. The Bible tells us three mighty men go and get it for him. It doesn't really give us a name. In fact, I wanted to name them. I sat down and started thinking about what would I name these guys. Well, one of them would be Bubba Smack, of course. Bubba Smack. What would the second one be? Sam. What would the third one be? Trevor. Bubba, Sam, Trevor. Mighty men. And I pictured them in my mind's eye, too. The guy named Trevor is kind of short and fat. I think he's a good looking Second guy, Sam. Sam lives up to what you would think of for those movies. Play with the game, Sam. Oh, he's got that wonderful face and that cat that covers half his eyes and that twinkle in those eyes that you barely see and that winning smile. Bubba Snack, however, is a workhorse. He's that guy who takes his shirt off his back and gives it He's one of those guys that takes a hat off his head and he puts that hat down and it's just totally sweat. You know that guy is always working. He never stops working. He never stops loving. He never stops helping. He's that guy. You know that guy? He's that guy that's a lot like a street. You better look both ways before you talk to him. You know what I mean? He's one of those guys. He's loyal. He's true. He means what he says, and he says what he means. David cries out, Oh, I want a drink. I would love to have. Old time religion was that. I used to have it in the 1980s and the 1990s. We used to have that old time religion. I want to see a revival again. Let me tell you what. You want revival in your life? You got to get the repentance. You got to get the repentance. That means you got to go back to where you were. God didn't move you. And once you heard just a minute ago, it doesn't matter how far you went away. David's mighty men break through. And imagine what it would have been like to break through to some James Bond-style clandestine operation. Perhaps in the background they have that James Bond music playing. They are at that well. Two are at guard. Their swords are drawn. Their shields are out. And one of them is putting a bucket down in the well. And he's pulling the string back up. And they are pouring it into some kind of flask or some kind of wine skin or something to hold that water. And I could hear them in my mind's eye, saying, don't spill it, don't spill it. It's got to be cool when we give it to David, too. It can't be hot, so hold it out. You can't put it against your body. And it's got to be cool. It's got to be like what he's talking about. And you read the rest of the story. They bring it back to David. David doesn't even take a sip. Does you know that? Now, there's a lot of things happening in this story. I don't have time to get into those stories. There's a beautiful picture of repentance. There's a beautiful picture of being careful of what you say because people are listening to what you say. See, David didn't command these guys to go. They went because their king wanted it, and David learned a lesson about when kings speak, people act. They learned a 
more happy than there is peace in that about David's childhood. Let's digress for just a minute. What was David's childhood like? Well, we don't really know. We do know that he was a shepherd. And we do know that while he was a shepherd, he wrote a lot of those songs. You can imagine what it would have been like to be out there in the field writing, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down beside the still waters. He leadeth me to green pastures. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. That's David's childhood. Perhaps you've read those before. Perhaps that's what David is longing for right now. I want that kind of relationship again. I miss that kind of relationship where I called upon God and God answered. I want that relationship where God told me what to do and I obeyed. I want that kind of relationship where His Spirit went down in me like cold water and it revived me, it renewed me, it restored me, it refreshed me. Perhaps that's what you're asking for right now. And I want you to know you can have it. All you got to do is come back. All you got to do is take a step David needed refreshing. Do you need a time of renewal? But what were David's weapons? See, this time, David's not the one who's doing the attack. What was David's weapon? Well, you heard what David did. He just cried out, I would like to have a drink from the waters of the wells of Bethlehem. You know what we call that when we speak that? Prayer. Prayer. Perhaps you need to talk to God. Perhaps you need to get back into the weapons of God. They're mighty for pulling down strongholds. Number one, the Word of God. Number two, prayer. Maybe you need to get back in prayer. Praying. Back into asking God, would you provide for me? Would you forgive me? Would you accept me? Would you use me? Let me tell you, there's no greater prayer than God Almighty. Here I am. Use me. Some of you know it quite well. I'm not going to put a lot of scripture up for this one. It's the Battle of Jericho. You ever sing that song? Joshua took the battle of Jericho. Jericho. Amen. Great big wall. You know the story. Walked around it. Blew the shofar. You heard the shofar blow this morning. The wall came tumbling down. But did you know? Before that happened, Joshua meets with somebody. Look at me in Joshua chapter 5, verses 13 to 15. And it came to pass, when Joshua was by Jericho, incidentally, put yourself in Joshua's shoes for a minute. You're looking over those huge, insurmountable, unbreakable walls. I think about that all the time. In our lifetime, in our history, we were able to see unbreakable unbreakable walls break, unbendable steel bend. Here's Joshua with an unpassable wall. And Joshua was by Jericho and he lifted up his eyes and he looked. And behold, a man stood opposite him with a sword drawn in his hand. Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? Modern day preachers. Are you with us or against us? 
don't know about you, but if I went outside in my yard and there was a guy with a sword drawn, I'd probably go in the other way. Then. But Joshua walks up to him. He asks the question, are you with us or against us? Verse 14, so he said, no. But as commander of the army of the Lord, Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped. He said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take thy sandal off thy foot, for the place upon where thou standest is holy. Joshua did so. You should remember the burning bush. Of course, you know the rest of the story. The walls come tumbling down, don't they? You may have a stronghold in your life. Big walls all around you. You say, I don't know what to do. And you need to learn from Joshua. You need to learn from Joshua. What did Joshua do? What was his weapon? Well, the beautiful thing is that it was trumpets, wasn't it? They had trumpets and they shouted, Hallelujah! We sang that a minute ago. Hallelujah! Amen! I love that song. It's just stuck in my head now. What do we call it? Worship. We call it worship. Real worship. Look at what Joshua does in verse 14. He fell on his face to the earth and worshiped. What are the weapons God has given us? He's given us the Word of God. And it's mighty to pull him down strongholds. He's given us the ability to obey. He's given us the ability to pray. And when we pray, you know what? In that precious and powerful name of Jesus, the enemy has to flee. Not just that, but he's given us the ability to worship. And when we worship, Walls come tumbling down. Hallelujah. You've got strongholds in your life. You need to get back to the Word of God. You need to get back into prayer. You need to get back into worship. You need to do that. I love how Joshua immediately obeyed. He accepts the commander of the Lord's host as who he said he was and takes his shoes off his feet. You know what that's a picture of? We, we like to talk about it in the Baptist church. As, well, his shoes are nasty and his feet, and there's all kinds of things on his feet. No, 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 no. Even though there is some truth in that. But no, that's not the point. Have you ever walked in a desert with bare feet? Have you ever walked in a Texas grass with bare feet? Do you know what he's saying there? Is I'm completely at your mercy. I'm taking my shoes off of your feet. Take me wherever you will. I surrender. I submit. Jesus, you are my all in all. Take your sandals off. And Joshua did so. Trusting God to take him where he needed to be. You know where he took him to? He took him from the walls of what's happening to victory. We can have that this morning too. What are our weapons? What are our weapons? Number one, the Word of God. Number two, prayer. Number three, Nothing like worship can drive the blues away. Amen? Nothing like worship can change a sad heart. Nothing like worship that can make walls come tumbling down. We sang a song, and I'm going to close with this song. We sang a song this morning called Jesus and My All and All. Written by a man named Dennis Jernigan. Dennis Jernigan has a powerful testimony. He lives in an immoral life. met Jesus. 
first thing you did was say, how do I worship? You learned to worship. I grew up in this church. I grew up singing those hymns that we sing that I love so much that's on you. I grew up singing the praise and worship songs that you love so much that I love so much. But I never truly worshipped until I met the Lord Jesus. Where did you meet him at? Not say I met him in a Baptist tradition of all places. Dennis was not bad. They brought him out there and he sang that song, You Are My All in All. And for the first time, I began to weep. And my pastor looked over at me and he said, What's the matter with you? I said, I don't know. But this song is saying what my heart is saying. And he said, You are worshiping. And I became a different Christian. When he says, Take your shoes off, I said, just follow me. I followed him. Called him Jesus. Called him Shepherd. Called letting him be Lord. And when you let him be Lord, you start worshiping. When you let him be Lord, not just a few, but you. Perhaps you're at home saying, Pastor, I want that childhood relationship with God again. Can I have it again? Answer yes. You got a son. You got a son. Perhaps say, Brother John, what other weapons do I have? You got the word of God. You've got it. It endures forever. It's right there for you to learn, for you to read, for you to feed upon. Put it to work in your life. What can I learn from this about not being a Christian? Well, there's lots you can learn from it. Number one, you got to let God fight your battles. Amen? you got to try to do it by yourself and lose every time. Every time. Are you talking from experience? Bible says if you believe in your heart and trust in the mouth of the Lord Jesus, that God is raised to come again, now, say, someone invites you this morning to come and put him in your heart. Perhaps say, Pastor, I need to get back home to Bethlehem. Are you willing to come and repent for the worst death all the Come on. Come on. Perhaps say, Pastor Josh, I need to be obedient. I'm saved, I'm not baptized. I'm saved, I'm not in the church. I'm saved, I'm distant. Are you willing to come and get it right with God this morning? Whatever it is, Weapons of God, which are mighty, pull them down strongholds. Pull them down this morning. Let's pray together. Father, I come to you now in Jesus' name. I want to thank you for your word. And I ask you to take charge of this time, Lord. I'm asking you to pull down strongholds right now in our hearts and our lives. If there be any that need to come to know you, any need to get right with you, or any, Lord God, that need to be delivered, to be set free, to have that stronghold pulled down, we give it to you that day. We give you the praise, the honor, and glory, even now. In Jesus' name.
six o'clock. We do worship right here. Don't forget four thirty. We're starting some potter practice. So come and sing with us. We need your help. Amen. Come be our Jonathan, right? <laughs> All right. With that being said, uh, don't forget uh, we'll have uh, ladies Bible study on Tuesday at nine thirty. Don't forget we'll have again at six thirty on Tuesday evening and men's Bible study six thirty on Thursday. Uh, Wednesday, we're going to try a little different format in our Bible study. So I'm going to ask you to pray, pray for you to be here in that and uh, be there and be a part of what God is doing. We're going to be back to church Wednesday at 6 30. All right, uh, Jeff, you have something? Oh, amen. Amen, amen. So if you didn't hear it, Jeff, this is going to be putting up uh, the final sheet for the uh, OCC meal and for the OCC. Yard sale that's coming up in October. So please carefully consider being a part of those things as well. Look, Jesse, come on up. Church, you know Jesse Prado. He's been he's coming for quite a while. Jesse comes this morning. We stay and we need to get right with God. And we pray and ask God to forgive him. If you dedicate his life, you'll support him in that. Would you say amen? If you're going to pray for him, would you say amen? If you're going to love him and be there with him and help him be his Jonathan, would you say amen? Well, then, in that case, I'm going to ask Brother Joe Bailey, would you close us in a word of prayer? And I will see you guys hopefully this afternoon.